welcome to Streaming Into the Void, where we discuss all the streaming news for the week ending July 9th, 2022. This week, HBO Max isn't as max as it used to be. I'm Kim Haldis, now Steam Deck positive. Thank you, David. Yay. <laughs> also, Tim Brighty, writer and gamer who also ended his bid to buy Twitter. I mean, if they're still willing to listen, uh, I, you know, will up my offer from $11 ever so slightly, but, you know, they, they know where I am. <laughs> also, David Mumpower, published author and media analyst who hopes Kim appreciates her eight Christmas gifts this week. And I do. Not a joke, is it? No. <laughs> Christmas in <laughs> July, baby. And the podcast is produced and edited by Raul Burial, who's been traded for a draft pick and $13 million in salary cap space. Hey, I'm still getting paid regardless. Now, where am I going? Columbus oh <laughs> In our deep dive this week, Netflix may finally have that franchise they've been fishing for as they signed the creators of Stranger Things, the Duffer Brothers, to a production deal that includes spinoffs and new original content. Now we know what 7 billion minutes watched gets you. (laughs) I, for one, am really looking forward to Strangest Things. (laughs) Yeah, I think what's notable here is we saw this a few years ago where Netflix was handing out contracts to all kinds of people from, you know, ABC and Fox to entice them to switch. Well, now they're taking care of their own. And this, frankly, should have been the business model all along is instead of handing nine figure deals to people you never work with, you should actually try and build from within. I mean, it's just like any other sports franchise. Raul was just making the cap space joke. You want your own prospects to develop because everybody who understands Moneyball knows that's where you actually get your best bang for the buck. And they're finally doing this because let's be honest, before Stranger Things, nobody had any idea what a Duffer brother is. Not that, you know, we do now, but we do know at this point that they are absolutely phenomenal storytellers who can create a fully realized world that engages us. And so we absolutely want to see more of them. The only drawback is they need to show they're not a one hit wonder because we used to rave all the time about the people who made Game of Thrones, and frankly, they got exposed as frauds. <laughs> frauds? I am, I am actually a little surprised it took this long because this has, Stranger Things has clearly been Netflix's biggest breakout hit ever. So just, just the fact that they're just getting around to this now, I guess, well, I guess it means that, you know, Stranger Things run is coming to an end. I assume they'll be like, what, one more season? But how, how did this not happen already? I am really surprised. Tim, extending the sports analogy for a moment, wouldn't you say this is like, you know, it's been a contract year for them and they just had an MVP season. So they're like, okay, fine. We'll give you a second or third contract. Yeah, absolutely. Not only did it deliver in the ratings, everyone seems to have, have loved it too. So it, they didn't let us, their audience down with this new season, which was the most anticipated thing coming on Netflix in, in years. Again, Game of Thrones. So we have been left high and dry recently. Yeah, looking at their, just pull them up on the Wikipedia page. Even then they're there, they're called the Duffer Brothers because, you know, they're, they're just anonymous randos but yeah i haven't even heard of any anything else that they've come out with so yeah they they have some expectations now to deliver something else their previous creation was wayward pines which was a two season summer series that ran on fox and i i quite liked it it was very much a curveball not at all what i expected so they did have a little bit of a pedigree going but moving forward you do have to look at 
what they're doing to build out this new studio of theirs. They're calling it Upside Down. I guess that's the name of the company. And they've hired Hillary Levitt of uh, BBC America and MRC to run the studio. And she has helped produce and develop Orphan Black, Ozark, The Great, and Shining Girls. So even if the Duffer brothers don't have a great pedigree, they have hired some really good people to run their company. Yeah, I was actually going to interject if you hadn't completed the thought. That is a masterstroke hire. And it sounds like the three of them met and just immediately connected and realized they shared the same beliefs about how to create story. And so it just sounds like that perfect match where she was currently looking for the right opportunity and they just stumbled into a lot of money from Netflix. So this looks like something we should really be excited about moving forward because, you know, the best parts of Orphan Black and the best parts of Stranger Things would be a mind-blowing experience. And you do have to consider that in addition to Stranger Things spinoffs, they're also bringing additional original content. They're going to be adapting the Japanese manga Death Note and the Stephen King, Peter Straub series Talisman. Both of those have great potential. So they have a lot of things going for them right now. I don't think that they could bank on a Stranger Things universe forever. I really want the Stranger Things narrative to end. I want there to be some closure there, but they've got some other great uh, stuff in the works. Yeah, Tim had previously mentioned Death Note, and I want to add that the talisman is actually something they cheekily foreshadowed because one of the characters is reading the talisman in the latest season of Stranger Things. So it's not like they didn't know this was coming, or at least they didn't have the desire to do this. I will say that we've had a lot of trouble in recent years adapting Stephen King's stories, so, you know, it could be hit or miss. But again, it's it just seems like a really good combination with a Stephen King project with the Duff brothers behind it. In our rapid fire, Warner Brothers Discovery is slashing budgets left and right. HBO Max is pulling out of original content in parts of Europe, and some shows have started to disappear from the streamer, as we observed last week with Snowpiercer. There's a rumor that HBO Max is going to be renamed because it's causing product confusion among consumers. And in a story that's hitting too close to home, the Warner Brothers Discovery offices in Knoxville are up for sale. So are you guys interested in buying that? Or... Oh, it's a really nice office. It's just way too big for the number of people they have. Oh, uh, okay. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, also have they considered HBO Plus. <laughs> <laughs> No? Okay. Those offices were acquired, I believe, when they bought Scripps Network, which was like what? Food Network, Travel Channel, DIY. Those were some channels that Discovery bought a couple of years ago, and uh, they were operated out of those offices in uh, in Knoxville. But now, of course, they seem to be consolidating a lot in Hollywood and in New York. So I guess it makes sense, but it's, it's not reassuring for the folks working there. What we need to keep in mind here is they're selling a building that was mostly empty because they had already laid off a lot of the staff. There's an alternate universe out there where Kim has been working there for a long time because she actually had a standing job offer for a while with the Scripps people. And we've kind of watched them just whittle down staff and whittle down staff after merger, after merger, after merger. And now it's a largely empty building and they would rather lease a building and take that money for other projects because as everyone knows, they're broke. And honestly, if we're focusing too much on the real estate, we're missing the point here. And that is David Zasloff is so incompetent that he is jeopardizing 
the Golden Goose for no reason. And I, I hate this story. I've said before that Zaslav is a fraud. This is one of those examples that starts crawling out where people go, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, he really is. What we're talking about here is they have a solid product in HBO Max, something that Jason Kyler spent two years turning from a punchline into a high quality product. And we have all kinds of supporting metrics saying that HBO Max's appeal is on the rise. It is arguably one of the top three streaming services right now, according to some really respected metrics. We're not just throwing that out there. It is ahead of Disney Plus in some areas. And what is this pinhead doing? I swear to God, this is a real thing. He is pulling some shows off the service so that he can license them for syndication or for television rights in some European countries. This is the equivalent of sending out a professional football team and then saying at the last second, you know what, I'm going to need your helmets back. That's what he is doing right now for absolutely no money that impacts the bottom line. It is absolutely inexcusable malfeasance. Sounds like David's really upset about this. The rebranding of HBO Max, I think if they had done this at launch, if they hadn't called it HBO Max to begin with, that would have made more sense. There certainly was a lot of confusion when they first launched and there was folks who were subscribed to HBO Now and then there was HBO Max. And which which one are you supposed to- HBO Go, HBO Go. Yeah, don't forget HBO Go. Which one are you supposed to subscribe to? Which one is it? And the confusion here is amongst consumers, the fact that so long as it's got the HBO name on it, people are wondering, where's all the other content? Like the Cartoon Network stuff. And the fact is, it's all there. It it just didn't make sense to put it under the HBO Max moniker. But at this point, I think they just have to run with it. Rebranding at this point is probably shooting themselves in the foot. I mean, he doesn't even realize how much he's kicking the hornet's nest here because he is such an amateur at this stuff. They're starting to pull stuff of Adult Swim off of HBO Max. And you want to talk about a group of fans you do not want to piss off? It is the folks who've been watching Adult Swim for the last 20 years. They are a scary, scary group. And there's no reason to do it. And on top of that, we've got a Final Space scenario that just blows my mind. They have canceled Final Space, something we've discussed previously. But now what they've done is they've removed it from all of their streaming services. They have basically kicked a product that some people like into the ether. It has vanished to the nether realm and we may never see it again. There is no reason to do that, but they don't want people suddenly deciding they like Final Space now that HBO Max has taken a stand and canceled it. Yeah, I do have to say, them withdrawing their original content production from certain parts of Europe, it makes sense. These were loss leaders designed to build subscribers. And right now, Warner Bros. Discovery is looking for $3 billion in savings. $3 billion in savings. And they can't afford to be spending money to build up subscriber numbers. So that does make sense. But right now, yeah, they're going to cut everything to the bone to try to get to those $3 billion in savings. And I just don't know. Everything I'm seeing is like nickels and dimes. I don't know how you get to $3 billion with what they're doing right now. And that's the point. They're talking about trying to find $3 billion. What is the actual value of HBO Max as a product? It is exponents larger than $3 billion. You don't jeopardize that in order to find pennies. It is just so short-sighted. And we see this mistake coming. And, you know, you can just scream at them, please don't do that. But it's like rubbernecking. You can watch the accident, but no matter how much you honk your horn, they're still going to drive into the other car. That's what's happening right now. Tim, before we talk about the ratings, let's cover the box office for this weekend. Okay. So last week, you know, was was great news because we had, you know, all those movies over 
10 million. Last week, Minions Rise of Gru took in $107 million, which is amazing. But Marvel slash Disney may start having a problem because here was Thor Love and Thunder with a Friday total of $69.5 million, which, you know, nice, but... That's pretty far down from what Doctor Strange took in. That's too bad. The uh, general audience reviews have been slightly better than Doctor Strange, if I'm remembering correctly. So the yeah, fact- I think it's about a draw. If you look at it, you know, empirically, we're talking about a B plus cinema score for both of them, which means audiences are watching them and going, eh, it's fine. Yeah. I mean, just two months ago, Doctor Strange had a Friday at 90 million and arguably Thor is a much more recognizable name and character than, you know, Dr. Strange. Maybe it was anticipation. Uh, You know, Thor Ragnarok was very well received. So uh, something's wrong here. Yeah, this puts an undue amount of pressure on Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which is a film that already has a lot of tractors. Yeah, that has that's got its own set of problems. So that is the next MCU project. And Tim, I don't know if you agree or not, but I feel like if we had reversed them, Thor probably would have started at 90 million on Friday. And then Doctor Strange 2 would have done 69 million. I I think it's just whichever one came first. Although Doctor Strange did have two unique positives, which is Sam Raimi directing it. I don't know how much that matters to casual fans, but he did Spider-Man and that matters mm-hmm. to some. And then also the fact that it was kind of a de facto sequel to WandaVision as right, well. Right, the, the WandaVision tie-in, right. But um, I think more than anything, we hadn't really had a Marvel movie in a while was the big thing. I mean, you know, since Shang-Chi. Yeah, that that I think is something that it had had going for it was the uh, the anticipation. And if you liked WandaVision, here's a, basically a direct tie-in to a Marvel series rather than the, the standalones or just setups for stuff that hasn't come out yet that they've been so far. So... Yeah, this is this this is interesting. It's that's not bad. It's just very suddenly worrying for phase four and beyond. So, Kim, let me ask you a question about this. You know, we're always talking about how the quality of a film often determines the opening weekend box office of its sequel. Mm-hmm. Have we just the microwave version of that with Doctor Strange versus Thor? It's possible. I think that something we talked about earlier this week is that with inflation and the economy being what it is, people are getting a little bit picky about maybe what movies they're going to now. And, you know, that has changed pretty rapidly since Doctor Strange was even in theaters. So I'm not sure if it's a Doctor Strange effect or just people are tired of Marvel or something else, but it's strange. I'm surprised. And I guess we should also have the other conversation, the one that I know that none of us agrees with, but let's think about it for a moment. Is Marvel eroding its box office because everybody knows that if they wait, you know, eight weeks, it's going to be on Disney Plus? Yeah, that's possible. I, I definitely think we're, we're seeing that with what happened with Lightyear. I think Lightyear had bigger problems than people just sitting around saying, oh, I'll just wait for it to show up on Disney+. Plus." Although it did hurt it to some degree. I think the Marvel movies are experiential movies that are best viewed in theaters. And if people aren't going to theaters to watch Marvel movies, then there is something wrong. It's not because people are saying, eh, I'm just going to wait to see it on Disney+. Plus." I think people are just a little tired at this point of Marvel movies, and that's unfortunate. Yeah, I do wonder now if the novelty of going back to the theater has 
worn off because we did see some amazing box office over the last couple of weeks. You know, I mean, Top Gun is still chugging along incredibly well. It's going to cross 600 million soon, which no, nobody saw coming. But I wonder if people are cognizant of the fact that there is still a pandemic, believe it or not. And, and while I think the studios have been more selective in what they put out in, in theaters and the overall quality of these movies is good. I think people are just like, yeah, I went back, you know, I, Hey, I saw a movie in the theater. I'm, I'm good. I can, I can wait for, for streaming again. The other two things I'll add here, we're talking about how Dr. Strange just came out in theaters a couple of months ago. We're using it as a direct comparison. You can watch it on Disney plus right now. So the gap has gotten that small, which is, you know, it's a cataclysmic shift and we should adapt for that. But I also don't think that, you know, we should be saying maybe people aren't interested in going to theaters because the rise of Gru just shattered July 4th box office records. And I, I think that kind of shows we are looking at these things in a case by case basis where some weeks are going, wow, I am surprised that did as well as it did. And others were going, oh, okay, that didn't do what I would have thought, which means one, we're possibly out of touch. Or two, it's just getting more chaotic to predict because I know that started this week, projections had this film at 200 million possible, 170 million pretty much a slam dunk. And that hasn't happened. And when you're this short of expectations, it raises a lot of questions. Thanks for that, Tim. Let's go ahead and move on to the ratings. Okay. So thankfully, Mr. Nielsen's vacation is over. And they managed to update their chart in the in a reasonable fashion this week. So we have the Nielsen streaming ratings for Monday, June 6th to Sunday, June 12th, 2022. And of course, your top show by far is still Stranger Things. From the heights of $7 billion last week to a mere $4.2 billion this week. So cancel it. Cancel that developmental deal. It's over. <laughs> this, this, show's, this show's done. No, this is this is still amazing. This show's going to be, I mean, this show's going to be here for months to fall off this list because Ozark is still here as well. That show was immensely popular earlier this year and it's still here over two months after you know the, the show finished so we're going to be talking about this one for quite some time without putting you on the spot to do math or anything just asking your gut feeling we've got two episodes of stranger things that will show up in three weeks i would guess mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What is the baseline number you're setting as an expectation for that first chart where people tear through Stranger Things' finale like Kim and I have done? Yeah, we hopefully will have the benefit of that three-day number this time. And I know it was two episodes, but isn't one or both of them like essentially a movie length, like almost like two hours oh God, or something? Yes, it's very Peter Jackson. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I think we could see, even just for the addition of two episodes, I think we could see another $4 billion out of nowhere. I think we could see this type of number with just that small addition, because that that's how anticipated this the show is and, and was. Okay, let me go ahead and lead you into the second one then. Do you think that the second one would have done better if it hadn't been competing with Stranger Things? So we're talking about the boys here, number two? Right. 919 million minutes? Ah... Uh... I think that's that's actually outstanding for a show that's not on Netflix. This one, this is on Amazon, remember, and that's this is the first full week of its availability. It's well of the new episode. It is adding episodes through through the month of June, pretty much. I still think that's that that's actually a great number because we always have to look at the shows that aren't Netflix on on a curve. So I don't think Stranger Things has uh, affected this. We've we've it's the same thing with that there was with box office. There is no you know cannibalization as a, as it were. There is no finite amount of 
box office or time people have. If they want to watch a show, they'll they'll watch it. Yeah, I think we didn't give the boys its due last week. We were maybe a little tired after Stranger Things and Obi-Wan <laughs> and all that conversation. No, the boys is very much a hit on Amazon Prime. And here it is at nearly a billion minutes and at number two on the charts. Maybe not exactly hot on the heels of Stranger Things. I don't think anything would be able to compete with Stranger Things. But the fact that it did as well as it did without Stranger Things on these charts, we'd all be raving about, look here, Amazon is a smashing uh, number is that on the charts with the boys? Yeah, this is their either maybe second or even their their biggest hit. What am I thinking of? Like The Expanse or something like that? That could be considered Amazon's biggest show? It might be this. All right. We do have something new in third. I mean, both these shows are the Stranger Things and the boys are going to be here a while, so we don't need to wear that that discussion yet. Uh, but here in third is something new. Keep sweet, pray and obey. Uh, 720 million minutes viewed for this four episode docuseries about a polygamous church, I guess, sect of um, the Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yeah, Warrens, this, I guess you can call them. Yeah, yeah this is the uh, the Warren Jeffs story, I believe. And it's cringy and difficult to watch, but it seems to do well for uh, Netflix, this kind of expose kind of do- documentary. People seem to like watching this stuff. Yeah, this premiered actually midweek. It premiered on June 8th. So it had the the bulk of the, the ratings week. So probably declining from here, but that's that's a surprisingly solid number for a documentary on a dreary slash terrifying topic. Uh, fourth is The Lincoln Lawyer, 683 million minutes for 10 episodes. Again, had a absolutely solid performance, no brainer for, for renewal. We should be seeing this one here for for a while too as it just runs itself down down the list over you know the next couple months yeah this is actually showing extensive staying power to the point that it kind of feel like uh netflix is ncis yeah i they can't get this into production fast enough they i'm, I'm sure they they want to see this one keep keep going as long as they can yeah this might turn into a six or seven season thing and fifth, here's obi-wan kenobi from disney plus now up to four episodes 682 million minutes you know, it's a good week when 682 million minutes barely gets you in the top five. Yeah, this is a pretty solid top half of the, the chart. Usually after the first three or four, things fall off a cliff, but not so much this week. Because uh, here in sixth is something new, I guess in quotes, uh, from Netflix. Peaky Blinders, 635 million minutes, 36 episodes. Um, well, I, I still maintain this made your head explode because this is a show that airs originally on the BBC and then you know shows up on Netflix uh, a couple months later the the these episodes actually premiered on the 10th of June so this is just a, a three-day figure for its latest season yeah uh, UK US co-production uh, Netflix has the rights for them in the US it's somewhat similar to the Great British Baking Show except the window for release is narrower as in the Great British Baking Show episodes usually air the next week on Netflix it does expose some flaws in the way these charts are made but not they're not it's not onerous okay. As mentioned, Ozark still here in seventh, 568 million minutes for its 44 episodes. So yeah, based on based on this, we're going to be seeing Stranger Things for several months at this point. Uh, the Floor is Lava in eighth, Netflix's game show, 350 million minutes for 15 episodes. Yeah, the, we're going to see more of this, more competition slash game type shows because they're cheap and they're popular. Ninth, here's something new. First Kill, 331 million minutes for eight episodes. This is that vampire... Uh, 
it's lesbian Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, right. Okay, that's right. That's right. We did we did talk about this. Okay, uh, and we knew it would be a hit. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we 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 called we called this one on what's new when we when we talked about it just based on on that elevator pitch. Yeah, and I bet I bet it's doing exceptionally well on mobile viewing as it does skew heavily younger. Yes. So, so the fact that it even it's even made it onto the television viewing charts is very impressive. Yeah, and we should hold that thought as we go into the next one. Yeah, because here is something else new. This is also from Disney Plus, so they get two shows this week. Here's Ms. Marvel, 249 million minutes for just its premiere episode. That's a very good sign. Yeah, we got some uh, information from Samba TV about this. And one of the comments they made was that the viewing numbers were vastly down from other Marvel programs and they were trying to sound alarmist about it. And I passed that information along. And my first thought was, you're missing the point. The target audience for this does not watch conventional television. They watch second screen. They're not going to be Samba TV people. And that's all this is, but I'm still thrilled to see that it has snuck on the list. This is not as good as previous Marvel shows, though. It is admittedly a little bit niche, but Kim, my God, it's as good as the TV format gets, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. It is a delightful show. I love so much about it. I love that it brings in cultures and activities that that a lot of people may not be familiar with and the lead on the show she is already fantastic and she's very young oh see i think this number is fantastic because again this was just one episode i mean it had premiere on the eighth so it had most most of the week but usually disney plus throws out you know two or sometimes three episodes granted this is only going to be a six episode series so i i get why they only started with one but just the fact that it made it here made it on the, onto the chart just with the one episode. Yeah, this is going to grow over the next month to a very solid number, I would think. People tend to hold off on the Disney Plus shows for a couple of weeks or so until there's multiple episodes so they can binge it and maybe they wait for you know opinions to hear if it's good. And yeah, by all accounts, this show is very, very good. So over in movies, and yeah, we thought this was going to be a big one, but it is led by Hustle from Netflix. 1.2 billion minutes for the Adam Sandler movie. So who has a better deal with the devil, Tom Brady or Adam Sandler? (laughs) (laughs) See, and and, okay, I thought this was, I didn't read like the, you know, didn't see the trailer, didn't, you know, hear much about it other than it's, oh, it's Adam Sandler is a basketball scout and he he finds like a future star who can turn around his fortunes, blah, blah, blah. So I assumed it was a, it was a comedy. It is not. No, that's right. This is his uh, once every three years dramatic movie. Yeah. Clint Eastwood did the same movie. It was called Trouble with the Curve, except it was a baseball movie. It's Mm -hmm. just basically that idea transferred over here. But I will say that the reviews for it have been, you know, by Adam Sandler. Absolutely glowing. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) He's always he often gets great reviews when he just in dramatic roles. Yeah, I mean, you can find numerous people who thought he got robbed for not getting a nomination for Uncut Gems. Right. And Punch Drunk Love is one of the boldest performances you will ever see. Yeah, so that's an outstanding start for uh, Netflix. This was just three days as well. So there is a chance it, it jumps to even uh, even higher number next week. And if you're listening, what just happened was we all acted like we didn't like Adam Sandler until we all realized we really like Adam Sandler. <laughs> 
I mean, I have always really liked Adam Sandler. He just has some really terrible movies now and again. And that's <laughs> that's kind of how he makes his money so that I think he can make these good little dramatic films like yeah. Hustle. Yeah, he once once he got established, he, he took the easy paychecks to do, you know, stuff like grown ups and then you know turned that into that Netflix deal that everyone laughed at at the time. And that's turned out actually pretty well for 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 both Netflix and for Adam Sandler. Oh, it's arguably the most important media deal of the past 10 years. No joke about it. Uh, the other thing I'm just going through in my head is if Adam Sandler and Melissa McCarthy made a movie together, it would be absolutely brilliant <laughs> unless her husband directed it, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Again, she's she's actually a good dramatic actress, too. She's got, she's got, I mean, one is, one was for Bride Dates, but she has two Oscar nominations. Yeah, she's a great actress. Right. Up to second is the movie we didn't talk about, Interceptor, 413 million minutes. Again, even the, the director doesn't know how this is succeeding. <laughs> uh, here's Encanto, still here in third from Disney Plus, uh, 348 million minutes, still amazing. This is, we're just going to, this is going to be here every week for probably, you know, another year or so. Uh, in fourth, Amazing Spider-Man. Yes, the, the 2012 Andrew Garfield one, 302 million minutes. Return to Netflix on, on June 1st. Uh, hold, hold, hold that thought. So last week, Raul speculated that people were looking for the current Spider-Man movie and got that one. Did they spend the whole film wondering where the new Spider-Man was? <laughs> I don't again, think... I get hold that thought. <laughs> I don't think I've ever come out and said this on the podcast before, but Netflix viewers are the laziest viewers in streaming. When they go looking for something and it doesn't turn up on Netflix and Netflix recommends something else instead, Netflix viewers, 10 out of 10 times are going to be, yeah, okay, I'll watch that instead. Uh, yeah. I'm Okay. I'm While you're on that, that point, I'm going to just jump to sixth of it because actually last week it was credited to Netflix and Amazon. This week it just says Amazon, but it's Top Gun still here. And while we were all thinking it was a nostalgia kick with the release of Top Gun Maverick, well, you're convinced people were looking for Top Gun Maverick and saw the original and watched it anyway. Wow. Tom Cruise really hasn't aged at all, has he? Right. <laughs> do, do that that many people not realize like movies still show up in theaters? Like theaters didn't close completely because of COVID. I mean, they did, you know, temporarily, but they, they reopened and things are things are doing better. Movies still come out in theaters, folks. All right. Uh, back to fifth was the movie that was tops last week. Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore from HBO Max. Remember, we, we now have those uh, shows and movies on that service on, on the ratings charts now. 273 million minutes. That's fine. I'm just I'm just happy we have one more service in the, in the mix. I do wish they had a current show because I'd love to see how it would compete uh, on the originals chart. It does have a bigger burn rate than other movies we've seen, which I find interesting. Is HBO Max, you watch it the first week or you don't watch it at all, I guess? Uh, I just think it's the type of movie it is. It got the Potter fanatics and that, that's about it. Yeah, I'll just go ahead and throw this out there. There is no longer talk of a fantastic beast land coming to Epic Universe. There was for years and years as they planned an entire new theme park. They didn't want to do another Wizarding World. And now after this one, they're like, you know what? Third Wizarding World, that makes perfect sense. Sure. That's a franchise killer right there. Mm -hmm. uh, seventh, Turning Red from Disney Plus, 198 million minutes. And I... I'm sorry, I, I apparently willed this into existence by mentioning it last week, but returning to the movies chart in eighth is Titanic on Netflix, 149 million minutes. Again, it returned to Netflix on June 1st. Where it was before this, I, I, I don't know. But yeah, do better, Netflix viewers. It's been 84 years since this was released in theaters. <laughs> 
Yes. And again, 149 million minutes. So like, you know, 12 people watched it and that's enough to get it on this list. Uh, meanwhile, here's a movie that did not return to Netflix on June 1st, but is still on this chart for some reason. 131 million minutes viewed for 10,000 BC. Yes, the 2008 Roland Emmerich film. Why? I'm going to go ahead and ask this in a very specific way. Can you name either of the top three people billed in this cast? Any of them? No. Exactly. Camila Bell was the big star at the time, which wasn't saying much. Stephen Strait, who Kim and I are super fans of, was also in this. And the other one was Cliff Curtis, whom we adore from Well Rider and a bunch of other stuff. But this is not the kind of film that anyone paid any attention to in 2008. How it's getting a resurgence in 2022, I will never understand. All right. And wrapping up movies is another old one that, again, returned to Netflix on on June 1st, Mission Impossible. Yes, the very first one, 130 million minutes. Maybe people saw the, the trailer for the one coming out next year and thought it, it was out. And Or it showed, <laughs> up in a, it showed up when they searched for Top Gun. Top Gun, yeah, because Tom Cruise, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Again, just do better, people. Like, Lazy. So many choices on Netflix, and then that's, that's what you choose. Not that Mission Impossible is a bad movie, but like, uh, I don't know. All right. Okay. So over and acquired, it's 10 shows we've seen before. Once again, led by All American, coming in with actually 1.1 billion minutes. That's wow. Solid. Yeah. For for a show you could have just been watching every single week on the CW. Most people just wait till it shows up on Netflix and then go ahead and watch the whole thing. Uh, We do still have the HBO Max shows. So here, Friends in Fifth, 433 million minutes for its 236 episodes, and Big Bang Theory in 10, 305 million minutes for its 279 episodes. Again, Uh, all me and David. Yep. Had I seen the list of like what shows were available on on HBO Max, I knew Friends was. I wasn't aware of Big Bang Theory, but yeah, I would have said, okay, these these were their most popular shows by far. Uh, and we do have the return of Bluey. I haven't seen that one in a while. 306 million minutes for 87 episodes in night. David's always happy when that one makes an appearance. Yeah, school's out for the summer, you can tell. Mid-June, yeah, okay. Yep, makes sense. Okay, cool. Uh, that's all I've got for this week. Uh, again, we're going to be talking about Stranger Things for months, especially once it uh, makes another jump uh, in a couple of weeks. But we should have the Umbrella Academy number next week. And that one should be great as well. So I'm really looking forward to to that. All right. All right. In our green lights and cancellations this week, Netflix is getting some A-list talent for their pharmaceutical drama, Pain Hustlers, having signed Chris Evans and Emily Blunt. This sounds maybe a little too dramatic for this cast. I don't think this is necessarily what people expect when they see that Chris Evans is going to be in a movie. Pharmaceutical drama. Mm-hmm. <laughs> two words that should not go together. At HBO Max, a rumor is circulating that a Flash series was in the works with Ezra Miller, but that's now been canceled for reasons. Yeah, I wonder what that's all about. Mm. Uh, uh, Gee, who who could have seen that coming? Focus on the positive. David Zaslav just saved a few million dollars. (laughs) (laughs) At Apple TV Plus, the Jason Momoa series C will come to an end after its upcoming third season. Season three. (laughs) It looks like they had it framed as a three season arc. And so they do get to finish their narrative. Good for them. At Amazon Prime Video, Night Sky with J.K. Simmons and Sissy Spacek is over after only one season. Amazon just realized that their target audience is not old enough to know who these people are. 
<laughs> this is very unfortunate. And you could see a lot of news stories out there saying how shocking it was that this one had been canceled. Apparently it was very well received. I guess it just didn't get as many viewers as they had hoped for. It's kind of strange in that it's right. The Mato score isn't that great it's like 74 percent, which for tv isn't anything special but it, like it's viewer ratings if you like look at some deep dive metrics are exceptional which means if people did put in the time on it they really really felt rewarded and that's you know what good sci-fi is but i just don't know if enough people want to put in the time these days Peacock was reportedly working on a field of dreams series but that project has been scrapped it's like Peacock doesn't know what to do anymore. <laughs> Arguably, this could have been great. It could also have been a disaster. It was uh, being showrun by Michael Schur, and that's not a bad thing. But uh, I think maybe I suspect that Kevin Costner was not on board. And without him in the lead, I don't see how they get to do this show. I also suspect that Peacock found out that it would cost more than $27 to film. And <laughs> it just makes me realize that what really should have happened was Zaslav should have merged with Peacock instead. And then he would not be destroying anything that wasn't going to destroy itself anyway. And at Paramount Plus, the anthology series Why Women Kill had previously been renewed for a third season, but they've reconsidered. The series is canceled after two seasons. And then no woman ever killed again. <laughs> I mean, did, did you really need that many seasons to explore a concept called why women kill? Because I mean, the answer is men. <laughs> <laughs> All right. As always, we wrap up the show with what's been keeping us busy over the past week. And David and I have been busy in a general sense, just trying to get ourselves settled, but we did manage to watch the final couple episodes of the season of Stranger Things, which was great. It actually gave David nightmares that night. I'm still upset about the one death in the show, which <laughs> made me really mad, but I still love where they're going. I'm excited to see what comes next season. And obviously, Steve is still the best character. So Raul, what's been keeping you busy? Well, I finally finished uh, the slog through the three-part The Beatles Get Back. I've come to realize that maybe Peter Jackson shouldn't be allowed to make movies. <laughs> it could very well be that his Lord of the Rings trilogy was a fluke. Uh, we know that turning The Hobbit into a three-part series was not necessarily all that great of an idea. I did see his documentary, They Shall Not Be Forgotten, I think is what it was called, the World War I documentary. And even that one felt excruciatingly long. I understand that he had dozens of hours of footage to get through for this Beatles documentary. And he really told the entire narrative from the beginning to the end. But it clearly felt repetitive and just unpleasant at times. There's fantastic scenes in it. You could see their creative process. You can see as Paul McCartney comes into the room and he's got a couple of lyrics and he sits down and he starts workshopping them with the other Beatles and, and John and George and Ringo start chiming in and they all together come together and they create this incredible song. And then you get... I mean, I don't know how many times you could hear Paul McCartney start with Jojo was a man, 
who thought he was a loner because God help me, you must hear it 30 or 40 times. And it just at some point becomes torturous because he sings it and then he has to stop because like John Lennon's being goofy or because he doesn't like the sound of it. And so he has to start over again. You don't need that. You don't need the repetitiveness of it. All you want to do is hear them sing the song and you just don't get to hear them sing the song. I don't know that you actually get to hear them sing a whole single song throughout the entire three-part documentary, six plus hours of content. It's just over and over. They start and they stop and they start and they stop. And it just becomes painful. If you're a Beatles fan, all you want to do is you want to hear them sing the song, sing the damn song. And it doesn't work. Sure, it takes you through their creative process, but at some point you've seen it, you've seen the creative process. Now let's get on with it. And it just never does get on with it. It just, at some point, eventually just ends. It ends and it's not satisfactory at all. It's not anything that any Beatles fan would necessarily want. And that is just unfortunate. Okay. Tim, how about you? I made a series of poor choices during the Steam summer sale, which ended midweek. It had been running for probably the 10 days prior or so. I haven't had a chance to jump into a couple of the games I bought yet, but I did finally cave and begin playing Stardew Valley, uh, one of the most acclaimed and popular games released in the last 10 years, where you basically inherit a farm that has been, you know, fallen into disrepair and begin the process of rebuilding it and growing crops, which turns into money to, you know, improve the, the farm further. And you are able to chat with the people in the town and you have, you know, you can build relationships with the characters in, in the town and all that. And, oh God, I'm realizing why people have put hundreds and thousands of hours into this game. Thankfully, I've only been a couple hours in so far, but I expect to put a bunch more time into it into the future. Other games I grabbed uh, were, one was called Monster Train. It is a card battler similar to like Slay the Spire sort, sort of thing. Um, uh, again, also overwhelmingly positive reviewed uh, on Steam. And something called The Stanley Parable, uh, which is a absurdist walking simulator that's been around for a while that has uh, excellent reviews. Uh, again, hoping to find the time to dive into these games and uh, may mention them in the future if I have uh, opinions on them. Awesome, Tim. And how about you, David? So yeah, we watched the uh, the final couple episodes of Stranger Things, and I, I won't lie, I I found them a little bit indulgent, but that's okay. They've earned the right to do that. I care about the characters so much that there's something that happened at the end that, frankly was upsetting to me and I was actually just randomly talking to Kim earlier today about where I think it's going because I do find the ideas in the series so good that I think about them you know several days after the fact uh, the other thing we've we really haven't been watching TV at the same rate we normally do but uh, I did watch episode of for all mankind that was not the current one but the one from the previous week and I have to say that Ronald D Moore came up through Star Trek and he had a grand vision for Star Trek that frankly nobody else there did and that's why he doesn't work on it anymore and it's probably for the best because if he'd stayed there Captain Kirk would be dead Captain Picard would be dead any character you like would have eventually died screaming where no one could hear them in the depths of outer space because that is his skill two of the episodes of the season thus far have made gravity seem like a comedy 
and it's just terrifying to watch sometimes. And then the Ms. Marvel most recent episode, the fifth one, I actively disliked the fourth one. I thought it was a really sloppy episode that had no logic to it whatsoever. And I had read the producers say that they were worried the fifth one was too ambitious and daring. And so I'm like, yee, it's probably going to be very good. It's actually a near perfect episode of television. And the high points in that episode of Ms. Marvel rival anything I've seen in the last couple of years. Uh, really well done. Thank you for listening to Streaming Into the Void. Please consider subscribing via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we welcome your feedback. Remember that we're on social media at Streaming Void and online at streamingintothevoid.com. If you like what you're hearing, please consider rating us and giving us a review in your favorite podcast player. Be sure to watch for us again next week.